Well, ladies and gentlemen, right there, this guy's, these guys right here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, pulled her off tonight, down 2-0, come back, beat the USA 6-2. There will be a gold medal game in Halifax. I apologize for the raspy voice, but we are proudly brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Goes Puck Off Lagerdale, the absolute big beer for the big game, and there's no bigger game than tomorrow night. Live in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at the Scotia Bank Arena, gold medal. Clark, what were you feeling when the team went down two nothing? Was a little rocky. Well, I uh, I got a little bit of Pete the Heat in me, and I said Canada and four, let's go. And I just had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling that they were going to pull it out. No, it was you know U.S. The U.S. is a team every single year, and they're always so competitive. And over the last five to ten years specifically, they've gotten so deep overall skill wise uh, but one thing i feel like canada still has a little bit of an edge on in terms of nations of hockey uh between the two of them is that they are able to get guys who can play roles a little bit better and i feel like a guy like joshua Waugh, who came in and had that awesome penalty kill he had a, i think he had a goal and two assists um guys like that step up in games like this for canada year after year uh, and not that the U.S. can't figure that out, but I feel like they're they're they build machines down there. Those guys are just skill machines, uh, and I feel like Canada has always been able to find a way to get those role players in in the spots they need to be in. Uh, not to mention they had Connor Bedard, who was pretty also pretty good. But um, yeah, it was a it was a fun game, uh, really good game all the way through like the second period, and then obviously the third. They got that goal, what was it, like five to six minutes in or whatever it was. And then from there, it was a little bit different. But that was a really good game. Two goals disallowed. I mean, that's always fun. And you see the complaining on Twitter from all oh, the American yeah. fans. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it's funny. We've had some games like that with the Leafs, too, this year where goals have been disallowed. And the complaining that comes from the fan bases about it. And it's just like, well, if you want a goal, just stop breaking the rules. Like, what do you want me to tell you? Jeez. <laughs> At you least know? we weren't in the U.S. and the ice wasn't littered with things, you know. I mean, Jason Blake in the crowd a little upset. Boucher ice was well. terrible tonight, no? What's that? <laughs> the ice was terrible. They were repairing it. The puck was bouncing everywhere. It didn't look well, that was the third was game terrible. today as well on that ice service. But also, from what I understand here in Halifax, they did not remove the, uh, the uh, initial ice that was in for the Mooseheads. They simply just covered up the logos and stacked on top of it. Yeah, so bad move. That does not. I mean, what are you going to do, right? Because the right? Mooseheads so, probably had games. So. so they're supposed to change the entire rink when playing Double IHF. So I, mean, that, thing, I didn't know that. Yeah, from my experience with the Mem Cup, and this was different because um, when we were the Regina Pats, we're hosting the Mem Cup just a few years ago um they just like they do it differently for the chl anyways where they just like dig down and take out the logos and then fill it back in with the stuff right. that's supposed to be in there so they were more like spot filling the ice whereas with this one since halifax was probably playing games not that long ago at home they weren't um, it, was, it was literally right before the break right so they didn't have that long to like do the whole job whereas with the pats um for those in the east we got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs with the year we were hosting the M Cup. So we were out for a while. Uh, so they were able to do the job correctly. But I think when when the time turnaround is that tight, they probably had to do a bit of a makeshift job. So they just probably painted over the ice with white paint and then 
um, put the stuff that they would normally put on top of it, which is what James said. But that leads to, I heard it on the, the thing tonight, half an inch of more ice yeah. than they're used to. And that sounds like nothing, but in the ice cooling world, that's everything mm. because that means the top of the ice is five is half an inch farther away from the cooling system. Right. Uh, right. And it just, it can't stay frozen and hard as long as normally. So it gets a little sloshy here and there. So that's, it sounds crazy and, and like minuscule, but it makes such a difference. It means everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah a, I guess our fun fact of the night. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. Cause when, when I, when we were hosting, um, that tournament, but also when I was in Estevan, just another shout out to past my past life in Estevan, we were hosting another tournament and we had an ice professional come and he told me like, I had no idea about that. I thought the ice was like this thick. It's like this thick, like it's so thin. thin. Um, and he told us that, you know, if it's a, a, any slight inch off or like a, a minuscule or minor inch off um, of what it's supposed to be, it can change the ice surface like insanely. So that was a bit of a wake up call for me. I had no idea. Well, it's pretty awesome. Pete, I want to get your takeaway here. Team Canada comes away with a 6-2 victory over the U.S. Um, what is better? A special show tonight uh, with Alan. Alan, I know you're probably watching right now, so uh, thank you for pushing to next week. But everybody excited about this game. You said it was a classic at that point. When you said that, that was when the 3-3 goal was tied before it was disallowed. And my jaw like hit the floor because it's one of those moments. It's like, this is going to be a game that goes on and on and on. Of course, the goal was disallowed. But you walk us through that feeling. Pete, obviously you're saying it's a classic. What made you feel that way? Because in the end, it kind of was a drubbing, but it didn't seem that way to start. I'll say that much. Like what's better than Canada and the U.S. playing in the World Juniors? Not much. Not much. Like it is always a good time. It's always a great rivalry. I love that the U.S. They always have a good team. It's always just a great game to watch. And that first half, like the first half of the first period, the U.S. were thumping the Canadians. Like I think the shots were eight nothing in like the first five minutes of the game. Canada, like they gave up the first two goals as well. And then, uh, yeah, Canada came back. They scored six on the answer tonight. But, uh, yeah, the first half of the game, it just looked like it was going to be an absolute classic. Just the, the way the pace was going, just going back and forth. And, uh, yeah, I, I just had the feeling. Uh, that one goal, James, that was disallowed, I don't know how you guys feel, felt about it, but, honestly, I thought it should have counted. I, I guess the rules are, like, they're a little bit more – like they're more inclined to to call that in the international league rather than the NHL. Like I'm thinking that's going to count in the NHL, but I, I just I don't know goaltender interference anymore. So it's just I don't know. If that, I thought. Well, that let me happen. ask you this question: Would you guys rather the double IHF rule, where if you touch the goalie at all, it's no goal? Just that simple. If there's any incidental, any contact, no. at least it's black no. and white. Then it's black and white, and you know the rule. Everybody would know the rule. What happens That's if it. you have a little stick tap to the goalie? That's no goal. What happens well, if it I wasn't a goal? It was no goal tonight. The goalie had it under his pad. They it was done. There's no goal. You can't push it in. Even if you see it, you can't That's, push it in. Yeah, I mean the second goal, no goal, obviously. Like they explained that over the broadcast. You can't force the goalie into the net, right? Like we've seen no, that. No, you goal can't force the goalie into the net in the NHL either. But I think it should be black and white. You know, make it an easy call. Yeah, and it's done. Then everybody knows the rule. So we should go back to the, the crease rule. You can't stand in the crease, and I don't know. Like, 
the crease rule is still kind of there, though, guys. Yeah. You can impede the goaltender's movement in the crease. Austin Matthews had a goal call back in Colorado because of it. Mm-hmm. Even though he really didn't impede the goaltender very much, it still was called back because he impeded the motion of the was goaltender. That the, was that the same game where he pointed to the, the goal? Yeah, I believe it was, yes. <laughs> Best game ever. That was so oh, yeah. fun. Uh, I think Bob McKenzie said that it had something to do with the puck going in and then out of the crease because the player was in the crease. And if the puck stayed in, it might not have been an issue. But because the puck came out of the crease again and he was making contact with the goalie when that happened, apparently that's a big deal. And that's the international side of it. Um, I kind of agreed with, uh, I think it was Jeff O'Neill who said it about this goal where he kind of just didn't really agree with it. And um, the contact that was made, I found, I mean, I think that when you slow it down, when you slow everything down, it looks so much different than when you watch it in full speed. I feel like when you slow it down, it made it look like he really stopped him from moving. But when you played it at normal speed, uh, I feel like the Canada player who was trying to block the puck from going in made more of an impact on him not getting over than the American player did. Um, but it's already done. Uh, you know what it was, it added to the, uh, the intrigue of the game and the, the overall, like Pete said, the overall classic, uh, levels of this game. So, uh, just imagine though, if that had gone in and they didn't disallow it and it was three, three, how much different that game would have been from that point on. And then the other one, of course, would now thinking back, would that have put the game at four, three at that time? Once yeah, that right. goal was disallowed, it was over at that point. Yeah, it was over 400%. So yeah, I, I think those two games, if you let those two goals in, A, that second goal, prob- that situation probably doesn't even happen but because uh, it would have been tied and then everything would have changed from there. But that even getting them closer to one goal back, um, that would have changed it so much more at that point as well too. So definitely those are the game changers uh, overall. I'm going to ask a, a positive question here and then a negative question. Uh, for Team Canada, um, for you guys, who is a player whose stock has rose, whether it's a player who's already drafted or a player that is looking to be drafted? Um, Peter, I'll let you take this one first, but who who's on, on the upswing right here? On Canada or on just Canada. The, the juniors? Oh, no, on I Canada. We'll, we'll focus on Canada because that's where the big thing is right now. Not to be Canada. Um, I mean, Bedard's the easy answer, right? Like, I – Gonna be honest, I don't know who's who's not undrafted on the Canadians right now. Um, not many. It, does, it doesn't have many. to be undrafted. Right. Just a player that stock has risen, that maybe gotten to better graces I, with their NHL I mean, team. Uh, what's his name? Fintelli? Like he he's supposed to be in this year's draft as well, right? Like he looks yep. great. I think he's gonna go up a few spots. So he like it's gonna be obviously Bedar number one, and then maybe I don't know. Does Fintelli take the the second third spot? Like he he looked pretty good this game. I I'm sure like he's gonna go high in the draft. But uh, yeah, I just like I'm not I'm not too. I I don't look at the the juniors as well as you guys here. I just I watch it and yeah, don't don't really do my research on them as well. Listen, as you don't need to do research. You just need to know with your eyes the guy that's playing damn well. And Fantilli looks like a battler to me. No problem there. Uh, Producer Clark, who's a guy for you that's caught your attention? NHL drafted already or not? Yeah, before I get to that part, I just want to say about Fantilli, uh, if I can throw a hot take out there, he kind of reminds me of Dylan Strom a little bit and not in the good way, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like, I feel like he has the tools, the same tool. Dylan Strom had the tools. If you remember, he was a really good. He was so good in the juniors. Like He, he was, was a really good junior hockey player. Um, and they, they have similar body types and everything, too, and – I just uh, I hope it doesn't come to that because Dylan Strom's career obviously it's been fine, but I think if you're picking a guy top three, you want a guy who's better than fine. 
Yeah. Uh, and he'll probably be in that realm. Uh, but the guy for me is Thomas Millich, the goaltender from the Seattle Thunderbirds. Oh, uh, undrafted, two drafts in a row undrafted. Uh, and this kid literally tonight, or probably over the last week or so, earned himself an NHL contract. He made this. so many good saves tonight. Like, like yeah. it could have been 3 nothing at one point. I remember he made a great stick save. Like, the U.S. player had a wide-open net. But, yeah, Clark, yeah, you're on point with that. It, it's got to be him. And, again, just to to double down on that, he, he didn't get drafted the first time, but he wasn't necessarily an established goalie at the time. Last year, he kind of took over in Seattle as the starting goalie, took them all the way to the WHL final, didn't win because Edmonton was stacked. Uh, but this year, he's back with Seattle, and now Seattle is more stacked than they were last year. Uh, and he has another chance after a world junior performance like he just put out there to do another WHL long playoff run because they're probably going to the finals. Uh, there's a couple of good teams in the West, but Seattle has a really, really good chance. I mean, half of the defensive group is on Seattle now for Canada. Nolan Allen, <laughs> Kevin Korchinski, they've got all sorts of guys over there. Um, so, I mean, it, I think that he just pretty much earned himself a contract and he has a really good chance over the next three months to even further solidify that. And I think there'll be probably 10 or 12 teams lining up to offer him a, a at least a professional tryout at some point after his career's over in the dub. Cause I know he's only 19, so he has another year technically in the dub. So he'll probably take it knowing goalies, how they work, but, but yeah, it's, uh, I think he's the guy for sure. Well, I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to take two guys here. Um, Clark for me is a guy that I really like. Thank you. Um, not you, Mr. Clark, oh. um, Mr. Brant Clark <laughs> from team Canada, the LA Kings, the Ontario rain, whatever you want to put him on. He looks like a player to me. That's a guy blocked that shot, walked down the tunnel, bit down on his mouth guard, went back out there. Didn't miss a beat, kept playing. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up being like the guy who just broke his fibula yesterday. Uh, Mr. Jake DeBrusque, you know, out there playing injured, but still playing and doing big things is what Clark did. And I love it. I love that kind of player. Um, can't wait to see what he can do in the NHL. He's had a cup of coffee so far. The other guy for me, getting dropped into a tournament like this, when it's already an established team, even though this is like a week-long tournament sort of thing, is Owen Beck. This guy comes in, gets dropped into the tournament, playing very limited minutes, but every time he steps on the ice, you hear his name. He's either laying a check, he's making a good pass, he's driving play, or he's creating energy. The Montreal Canadiens got themselves another player. In my and Joshua opinion. too, hey? Yeah. A couple Canadian guys. So I'm loving the fact that Beck was dropped in and did as well as he did. Uh, I can say good things about him because he's wearing this sweater. If he's wearing the Montreal Canadiens sweater, maybe I go a different direction. But those two players for me really stepped into this tournament. I'm liking what I see from both of them. Now we flip the page. What player in your eyes has really kind of nosedived? And, man, there's one answer for me that I have, but I want to see Clark. Maybe you got a different player, but I think we might all have the same guy here. Shane Wright? I mean, I saw a really good tweet, and if I can just, like, complete that thought, I saw a really good tweet from somebody. I, I, I wish I could remember who it was. Um, and he was just like, I'm really struggling to find – in this tournament specifically, I'm really struggling to find what Shane Wright is like elite at. And I, he seems I see like a, a fine player. Like, what does Shane Wright do great exactly? Yeah, like he's supposed to be the number one pick. Obviously, it didn't happen. He's been this highly touted, exceptional status player for all this time. And 
every time I've seen him, and I, I haven't seen him a lot, I've seen him in a couple of tournaments now. That's really yeah. it. Maybe a couple Seattle Kraken highlights here and there. But what does he do that's like next level? I, I, uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I kind of hope he goes back to junior. To be honest, I, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know if they've announced it. I don't think they have. No, but I kind of hope. I kind of hope he goes back to junior, and maybe finds that. Maybe finds what he's elite at. Go, go back and play against junior kids. Dominate because he probably will at this point yep. uh, with all the things he's been through and seen. And get traded for a thousand picks in the OHL because that's how it works over there. Uh, the OHL is nuts. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, just go like get get to the Memorial Cup and we'll see him again on a big stage because I think we need to see that out of him. Yeah, Pete, do you have the same player? The Shane yeah, I mean, like, he's. I mean, every time you see Connor Bedard touch the puck, you just you notice him. I mean, I think it's the same with Shane, right? He's. I mean, he's even a year older than than Bedard here and should be dominating. But he just, yeah, like you guys are saying, he just doesn't look like he's he's elite at anything. He's He's just there. I expected him to straight up dominate this tournament, and I just think he kind of just was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of getting the it wasn't uh, bad the Quinn yeah, but... Byfield effect. If yeah, if you if you get that feeling where Byfield came in and everybody thought he was going to take that big next step and be a big dominant guy, and he wasn't, and a lot of people thought, well, that hurt his draft stock, and he's not going to mm-hmm. go as high as he would. He still did end up going pretty high, but he still really hasn't had his footing yet in the NHL. He's maybe starting to get there. You wonder, like you said, maybe the best path for him is to go back and develop. But here's the thing, too, for these guys. They miss time playing because oh, yeah. of the OHL, not starting up and not playing. And these guys had options to go to Europe and play in different places. They didn't go because the OHL could say, just hold on, we're going to go. Hold on, we're going to go. And then they lost that development year. You wonder maybe he just got to get his gears back into the way it needs to be and maybe find it. But right now in this tournament, I mean, it looked like Canada was trying to give him – the, the brass there, everything to boost this guy's confidence and get him back to the mindset of the dominant Shane Wright that he was in junior by giving him the C and, you know, all those other things to make him a leader, right, and show him, hey, you know, you've done these things. We know who you are, but it just really hasn't worked out as of mm-hmm. yet. But let's hope tomorrow night in the gold medal game, maybe Shane Wright makes us all eat a little crow, pops yeah, off pop for off. a hat trick. Let's go. Let's do it. We'd love it. It's all Team Canada. Speaking of the other Maple Leaf that I have right here and right behind Mr. Clark and, of course, Pete the Heat, the Leafs last night fall to the St. Louis Blues in a back-and-forth filibuster barn burner game that you could say was awesome, uh, was fun. The coaches probably lost all of their hair and most of their voices last night. Um, I look at that game and I say, you know what, there's games where Sonar or Sammy or a.k.a. Ilya Samsonov, whatever you want to call them, comes out and he saves you the game, saves your bacon for that game. Same thing with Matt Murray. Then there's games where your offense and your defense really have to pick up for the goaltender because they're not having a great night. Everyone's allowed to have a couple of bad nights. Last night for me, Samsonov had a bad night. Towards the end of the game, kind of closed the door a little bit, held on. They lost in the shootout, but there was a couple of saves where he kept them in it. I want to know from you guys, are you starting to get a little worried with Elias Samsonov? They talked about it on the broadcast. I'm not there yet. His record is good. You had a couple of bad games, but they said this happened in Washington, and that's when the snowball started to tumble. So, Clark, are you there? Are you worried about Samsonov as of yet? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, really good uh, nickname I saw on Twitter was Samson No Save, and I hope that doesn't <laughs> last. Hope that doesn't last very long. Uh, but I laughed out loud when I read that one. It is um, pretty good. Yeah, but uh, no, I don't think I'm there yet. Um, St. Louis, I, I think a lot of people just because their record's not great, I think they're forgetting how many good players St. Louis has on their team. Like, they're good. Like Brandon Sod's a legit player. Um, Braden Shen's a legit player. They still have Bushnevich. They still have Cairo. They still have Thomas. I mean, they're still a good team. Maybe they aren't putting it putting it all together. But uh, on any given night in the NHL, teams that have the talent on their team can put together some goals, and that's just going to happen. Now, did Samsonov look great on everything, every single one? Not really. But I mean, he's also human, and that happens. Yeah. And he's been pretty good. And and you know, even a few times throughout later in the game, and I think. There's a quote that I always think about when I when a goalie's having a rough night. There's uh, I can't remember who's I want to say it was like Mark Messier or somebody like that. But um, somebody asked him. Um, somebody asked a player, a, a former teammate of Grant Fuhr, um, basically like, okay, so Grant Fuhr, you know, he he had a goals against like 4.5 back in the day. Why is he considered elite? And the the answer was. Uh, he always made the saves when we needed him to. Mm, yep. You know what? Maybe he let in a few goals, but he, he always made the saves when we needed him to, and he, you couldn't beat him late in games, for example. So we could always outscore whatever happened because we had that kind of team. And it was about that Oilers team, so I'm sure it was like Messier or somebody like that. Maybe it was even Gretzky. I don't know. Um, but that's beside the point. There was a few, point, uh, a few points of time later in the game where I like verbally said, Sammy! Like, like a couple of huge saves, you know, cross crease or whatever it was, breakaways even, um, even in overtime, a few times when William Nylander just decided to, like, turn his controller off for a sec. <laughs> like, what was going Disconnect. on? Disconnect. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Willie there, uh, but he had a good couple chances on the other side too, so I'm not going to go too hard on Willie, but, like, there was a couple times where Ilya made the the save that mattered the, the most at the time where it, it was necessary, and... I think that kind of let him off the hook in my mind, James, which is where he said, are you worried? I don't think so because he still came up huge in a few moments where they really needed him. And uh, yeah, with Matt Murray too, same thing. Uh, there's a lot of times, you know, maybe he lets in a softie, but I see a mentality in both of them where they, they battle and they fight. And, and if they, if they let in a couple, they, they tend to make some good saves when they need to yep. other parts, other parts of the game. So I'm not overly worried if uh, long story, long story long. <laughs> It's all right, PDP. What do you yeah, think, Sonar, baby? I mean, we can, I guess, agree that that wasn't a great game from from Sammy last night. One of the, probably the worst, but he still had a better save percentage than Biddington last night, which I found interesting. Like, obviously, he got the goal support, but I'm not. No, I'm not worried at all for Elias Samsonov. He's had more great games than he's had bad games. Where you can't see a goalie play every game to. You just can't see him perform the way he can every game. Not like Linus Allmark, obviously, but um, Jesus, yeah, I think, yeah, like he, unreal right now. But um, we have two good goalies right now. I think they're both going to get proper load management. I think the new goaltending coach is going to help out. I, I, I'm when it comes to goaltending right now, I am the most comfortable watching that position right now. Um, in the shootout, he kind of looked iffy. Um, but, yeah, in the shootout, guys, I, I, why do you think he went with um, Sandine over Tavares? I mean, he don't get me wrong. Sandine made a great move, almost beat him, stopped it, 
But I just thought that was so odd to go with Sandin. I guess Keith, like it was the first shootout of the, the year. I guess Keith saw something in, in practice that we obviously haven't seen. And Sandin's obviously, I, he's got great hands, made a nice move. I'm just I'm still perplexed as why he went to him over Tavares. I think it's the off-speed thing. Throw a guy like that out there that you're not expecting. Bennington expecting a Tavares, expecting one of those bigger names, right. that guys who can drive the net and put the puck in, not expecting a Sandine, who did pull off a move. And you hit the nail on the head, too, to quote an old podcast friend, Jamie Anesty. Um, you know, right there for the Maple Leafs, Sandine makes that move. But in practice, they get to see all these things, right? They get right. to work on these things and know who has soft hands, who can do different things in different positions. And maybe he just tried to play a hunch, and it almost worked. Yeah, I've heard some stories from camps uh, and stuff like that where Sandine is like usually the one that ends up winning those breakaway challenges yeah, and yeah. stuff. So I, like you said, James, I think it's that Sheldon Keefe sees the guy in practice. They do this in practice all the time where they have these little contests at the end or whatever. And I guess, yeah, in camp and in all those you know spring camps and training camps and practices it sounds like sandine's hands are just insane in that situation so i think that's why i i was i saw a lot of um and that, pete i'm not saying you're overreacting here but i saw a lot of people on twitter like blasting keith for this decision and i feel like it's not a blastable offense I, uh, to put a he's a skilled player either way i didn't mind it I didn't no mind i know it. and i'm not saying i'm not saying you're in the wrong here yeah, yeah, yeah i think you're right for questioning it but there are some people who are like blasting Keith for this, like saying that it was a terrible decision. I think Tavares was hurt too. Did he not get kind of bumped up or bruised up in the end of the game there? I feel like he might've missed a shift or two near the end of the game. So that might've played into it as well, but mm. I don't know. I feel like um, it's, it's okay to question it, uh, but I feel like there's some people who are way too far with the questioning of it and like really making it a fireable offense for this. It's I like, mean, guys, relax. It's, it's, it's a shootout. Yeah. It's a shootout. He put a great move on, like you guys were saying. And, I just think it's it's not as a big a deal. And Pete, like again, I'm not saying that you're like in the wrong for questioning it. Um, but I feel like it's not as big a deal as there were some people that were like, and it's not people like you and I, you uh, like the three of us who are just you know friends and 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 fans and um, people who like to put their opinions out there. It was like Sportsnet people and stuff. And I was like, dudes, relax. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this isn't a thing. You need to make a thing. Like, just stop it. Well, it's, it's getting harder and harder to manufacture stories about the Toronto Maple Leafs. It just yeah. did. Yeah. They've lost eight True. regular season games all season long. Yeah. That's it in regulation. So there's not a lot of things that you can be like, oh, well, the Leafs keep blowing all this stuff. Well, the, you know what? Even if they get it to overtime and they lose, at least they're still grabbing a point. So, you know, the yeah. Chicago Blackhawks one year made a living off of that and got into the playoffs in a good position because of the overtime points. So, you know, Sheldon Keith played a hunch. It's all it was, was playing a hunch. And coaches do that all the time. And you know what? It's probably 50-50 that it works out. When it looks good, coach looks amazing. If Sandine would have scored there, no one's talking bad about yeah, it at all. Keith sure. knew what he was doing. Keith's a pro. Yeah, he knows exactly what these guys can do. But because he missed. The only thing I'm wondering, though, it may not have counted the way that Sandine actually rocked back. Yeah. So it may have been on the line. The Nylander one was on the line. So we'll we'll see if he does it again. But please don't the go to Nylander the Nylander or Marner one. Man, all their goals. The Marner one, yeah. It was the Marner one. Yeah, Marner one. Yeah. But by the way, who started in overtime again? 
Mr. David Camp. Mr. David Camp. Again, I don't hate it, James. It just it's interesting that he starts with that just to get puck possession and then they go right off. Like it's that it, first that's what it is, though. You need to have the puck possession, and at least we're not getting puck possession, right? So now why not go with one of your guys that you know is defensively responsible? Yeah, who can get you the puck, cycle yeah. it back, get the right guys on the ice, and maybe catch a team because one of those guys jumping on the ice is probably going to be ahead of the play as you're circling back to your own zone. So if and you it get was, that slingshot up. It was Camp and two defensemen too uh, yep. that started, and I I think there's a couple of uh, layers to that. It's if he loses the faceoff, they can they can make nothing happen. They're really good at making nothing happen. Uh, so that was part of it too. And then I think it's also like a matchup thing too, because if if I didn't see who St. Louis put out right away, but if they're putting out their top guys, and then all of a sudden you're throwing Matthews and Nylander out there with their second unit, and then Tavares and Marner out there with their third unit. And all of a sudden, like that's a huge matchup matchup advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's also part of it. I I don't know if it's like the most conventional way to do it, um, but I don't hate it. Like Camp is he's going to give you a sixty five percent chance of winning a face off or whatever he's doing. Uh, and then if there's if it's him and two defensemen, they're probably going to at least not give up a chance. And then you get all of a sudden you get a matchup advantage the rest of overtime. And you saw it because they were toying with them in, in the in the zone for oh like over God. a minute they and a half. They fuck. were just toying with them. They couldn't even uh, change. Yeah, exactly. So they pinned them down. Obviously, they didn't get a ton of great chances out of that toying. Uh, they were just kind of skating around. But that's the whole thing on th- of three-on-three overtime is you kind of just have to hold on to the puck and try and try and try and until you get an actual opportunity to get a chance. Well, what did uh, you sometimes you just don't get one. That overtime was going to get boring once the coaches figured out how to coach it. Yeah, I think yeah. this is Sheldon Keefe's way of trying to coach it and yeah. figure out how to make it a little boring, right? And, I mean, if you were the St. Louis Blues, I mean, it was lulling them into sleep. I mean, the Leafs are just playing with the puck around them and skating with it basically and doing what they wanted. So maybe that's the new strategy for the Leafs. Um, another milestone for Austin Matthews last night, 500 career points becomes the fastest and youngest Maple Leaf to do it. Um, what more can we say about Maddie? Obviously on fire, uh, Pappy, whoever you want to call him. He had a new nickname in the off season that did not stick that I think he gave himself. Uh, I forget what it is now, but yeah, this guy here, he's on fire. It was was Tony, Tony, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause Tony Montana. It looked Yeah. And his name is Austin with the T-O-N at the end. So I think that was part uh, of it. But, like yeah, I don't, I don't think it lasted very long. <laughs> but it's another another record for Austin Matthews, another thing for Austin Matthews. Um, I think we can safely say by now, this guy isn't going anywhere. He's going to sign another contract as a Toronto Maple Leaf. It'll be done on July 1st. I bet you the deal's already done. He's playing like a player who's calm and understands his game. He's growing his 200-foot game this season as well. Um, you know, he's learning to play away from the puck as much as he plays with it. So, I mean, that's huge, um, taking that extra step for himself. But in him doing that, you're noticing it from Marner as well, and as well as William Nylander. And I made that video the other day talking and taking that quote from Nylander because that spoke volumes to me about how there used to be divisiveness in that room and clicks and guys that would go off in their own separate ways. And now it seems like, they're all for one and one for all, which we know what happens when teams get into that mentality. Guys start taking up after each other on the ice. Guys start not letting guys take cheap shots or runs at each other. And it doesn't matter if you're a star player or 
you know, Marchi or Dano coming in like Edge and spearing Travis Konecki. You know, I love watching the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing too. Because you know, they drop stuff up. Oh, that was great. That was but, really good. The blueprint episode was really good, by the way. They're all through yes. all the way. That was really I highly good. recommend anybody listening to this to go watch it tonight or when you have some spare time, but that's absolutely awesome. But you can just see the, the continuity of the team. And again, another guy that is right focal point. And I know it's been recorded, Clark, because I know that's what you'll say, from the beginning of the season up until Christmas. So that was all recorded right up to the Leafs Christmas party. Yeah. There was a guy there, and my tinfoil hat's back on, that was around that team in the workouts, on the bench, in the rooms. Jake Muzzin is always, always around this team, always there every game, always there. And Keith says it. He's there every practice. He's in the gym every day. You don't stay prepped like that unless you're thinking you're going to come back. James, I have a conspiracy that he's going to be back in the playoff lineup. What do you think? That's I'm where just, I'm, I'm at. just bugging you, by the way, because I know that's your conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Okay. I don't Jake, hate it. I've, I've agreed with you. If Jake can be healthy enough for this team in the playoffs, let him have his last hurrah. And I bet you that's what he says to his wife. I'll go through the playoffs. Whenever we go out or bow out, or if I feel something, I'm done. But whenever we bow out, that's it for me. I retire. I'll go yeah. on long-term injury reserve, a la Joffrey Lupel, till my contract is done and I'll be done. Yeah. But I think he gets that one last run-in, like a Shea Weber, like a Carey Price, like any guy who's gone through one more run through the playoffs as a veteran. I think he does it. I just, in my heart of hearts, man, I think this guy is working his bag off to get back and to be healthy, but I don't think the Leafs will bring him into the lineup until the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And if, if they if they can get that peace of mind, James, and add that piece too with his money and then maximize that, uh, I think that's that would be the key, I think. That would be a huge difference because um, I still think that they're in that waiting mode right now to know if they can spend all that money or not. Uh, so if they can do that and then bring them back, like you've been saying, I think that would just be like next level Kucherov stuff right there. Jake Muzzin coming back after being completely rested. Um, we saw how dangerous he was when he was doing that back a couple of years ago, how good he was. Uh, and if you can even get 75% of that Jake Muzzin uh, on a third pair specialized you know, position with penalty kills and stuff, yeah. defensive zone starts um, and just really shelter him and only give him 14 or 15 minutes a night. That's probably the best third pair defenseman in the league right there. Um, so that's that's huge. That would be huge. Just imagine this in the playoffs, okay? You want to add a little snarl. Say game three, you're up 2-1 in the series. You want to add a little snarl on your back end. So you throw Ben with Muzzin, and you just call him the assholes on the third pair, and you throw them out in the penalty kill. Who's standing in front of the net? Nobody's standing there. They're going to play your back like a xylophone. Yeah. Until they get a penalty. The both of them. They're going to chop yeah. you down. And they both don't take any shit either. You know, and you know. You know those beards, James. I'm telling you. I got to grow a beard like that. You know a man that if anyone touches Jake Muzzin the wrong way, every single one of those boys would be over the board to protect him. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. taking any cheap shots at him. And I think, too, when it comes to a guy like that, a lot of other guys, too, aren't going to take any liberties with him. He'll still get hit. He'll still get those things. But I don't think you're going to – I think – and you've seen it before with other guys. Ease up on hits and open ice with guys that they know are certain injury prone. It happens. You can go back and look through it. There's some – but there'll be one asshole, like a Raku Gudis or something, that 
just lay him out. But we don't have to worry about him because Florida. He won't be in the playoffs. Play. Yeah, they won't. They <laughs> so we look at this season here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, we're almost towards the halfway point now, if not almost there. Um, it's not been really a tale of two teams this year. The October team sucked. November was good. December was pretty good. They're coming into January. They're picking up points. What do you see from this team, Clark, that they need to change or add or do? And I know we've had back and forth on this, but what do they need for that next gear? Because obviously they're top tier of the league. They're either top three or four, you know, any given week in terms of the NHL standings. Their goaltending's looking good, which everybody said was going to be bad. You know, so what does this team need for next step? And Pete, get your answer ready because you're coming right after. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Just give me one second though, because I just realized my uh, my computer's not plugged in, so it's about to die, and I'd, I'd rather not die uh, on the show here. So there we go, we're good. Um, I think health is a big thing for this team. I think getting uh, a Morgan Riley healthy, um, for example, would be a really big uh, boost to the roster on a nightly basis. Um, on top of that, like, you know, getting guys back. You saw TJ Brody's impact, uh, Pete, with your jersey in the background there. Uh, but when he came back, how how impactful he was uh, to the whole team because he was able to kind of stabilize that defense. Uh, and Sandine coming back, when Lilligren came back, you saw a boost here, boost there. Um, so that was a big one, uh, obviously, the health of the guys. Um, and the one thing that I would have said about two, three weeks ago was, I think secondary scoring is like one of the the biggest downfalls of the team. And who has come along in the last couple of weeks and shut me up is my you know boy, <laughs> Yerang Vol. Your giraffe noise is here. And see, here's the thing. This is what happened last year too, right? Like they're two years ago even. But last year specifically when we all met up um, was, you know, I hated Pierre Engvall all year because he has the tools. And I've said this before on this show. He has tools. Um, he avoids physic physicality like a freaking plague, but that's okay. Uh, if he's scoring or putting up some points or, or producing or, or creating chances or making a difference in that area, he's a fine player. He's really fine. And I wouldn't have hated him uh, <laughs> if that was the case. And now over the last, what, two, three weeks of 10, 12, I think 13 or 14 games, uh, him and Kerfoot are freaking putting up a point per game almost. Like, they're doing really well. The Leafs um, have an established third line that it's yeah. together. That's yeah. the key to me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was that would be my next point, too, is that uh, what does the team need? I think one of the things that they've gotten this year is a really, really solidified and I identifiable bottom six. Like, I feel like last year um, – one of the biggest things with their bottom six is like, yeah, we had Spezza, right? Like yeah, we, had, we had guys like that and you know, it was a uh, Simmons and Clifford came in, but I feel like with, with Spezza specifically, he didn't fit the role down there. Like he maybe put up some points and was one of everybody's favorite players because of who he was and how he played and all the things that he did for the team. And I don't think anybody will ever take that away from Jason Spezza, but I think last year specifically his role on the, on the fourth line, didn't make sense. It didn't fit. And like they were trying to have this four checking speedy, hard to play against bottom six. And he just wasn't any of that. Um, yeah. Did he try his ass off? Yeah. Did I, oh, would yeah. I prefer his effort in almost anybody else? Yeah. Give me Jason Spetz's effort in Pierre Engvall and we got a championship team on our hands. <laughs> uh, but he just didn't. And I, I think now with 
uh, adding Yarn Croak instead of Spezza, for example. I know he's playing on the second line, but um, even adding a guy like Holmberg uh, in that spot instead, uh, he's it just fits the mold a little bit better. So nothing taken away from Jason Spezza. I love the guy. Um, but I think that the bottom six right now is Aston Reese is another example. Dryden Hunt, yeah. let's say even he's looked fine in that spot. So those guys coming in, uh, I feel like uh, have added a bit of speed, added some forechecking, some tenacity, hard to play against. You know, those those things that we've been trying to do. I think Sheldon Keefe has been trying to do yep. since he got into the job uh, and hasn't been able to. So I think that's been the biggest thing for me this season in what they've gotten. The top six has been the top six for a couple of years now. Uh, the defensive play has gotten better. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but that bottom six, I think, is the biggest boost so far. Pete, what do the Leafs need? Uh, lay it on me, buddy. I mean, Clark nailed it right on the head. I think health is one of the most important parts here. But we have seen how well this team can play, especially when Morgan Riley's out of the lineup. Like, their record is unbelievable when Riley's out of the lineup. Like, it's it's comical. But, um, yeah, health is important here. Um, yeah, James, you, you said it at the beginning of the season, having – Ryan O'Reilly on this team would be so cool, but I don't know what you got to give up for him, how you squeeze that in, what kind of melodic trade you have to make with two other teams. Uh, it just, I don't know if that's feasible. I would love to see just a solid player playing on that second line. I know Clark made a, a cool little TikTok about um, um, having like two B list um players on on the team which would be a lot of fun but uh yeah but what i'd like to see is just the team to stay healthy the goaltenders especially because they're our backbone of this team they're i'm not worried about them as long as they stay healthy and uh, maybe adding two b listers onto this team that might be the thing well for me i look at this team and i say the addition of pontus holmberg and him being able to step in and be a noticeable player not just a serviceable a noticeable player is huge the knock that i had against him was his face-off prowess and boy oh boy has mr holmberg been doing his homework and watching offside he's got to work on the dot and last night against the old st louis blues he was a 75 percent on the dot so this guy has been middling between 30 35% this season on the dot. It was the only knock that I could find against him. If he can keep consistently being a 50-55 guy, much like Camp, Tavares, and Matthews, where you're winning half of your draws, and most of his draws are in key defensive kind of situations like Camp, that's huge because that elevates that bottom six even more. Dryden Hunt is hitting anything that moves which is something the Leafs haven't had, which is seeming to give Zach Aston Reese a little spark as well because he's getting in there and flying around. So the bottom six to me, so many people across TikTok and Twitter are upset about the bottom six. Here's the thing. The Leafs go and get Clark's idea, slide in a new left wing, down goes Mr. Callie Yarncroak, and he almost called him Johansson. <laughs> Callie Yarncroak slides down. But what do you do? You don't want to mess up that third line. Does that mean Yarncroke goes down to your fourth and you elevate that fourth line even better? Because what does Elliot Friedman always say? You don't fuck with happiness. 
And right now that third line is some happiness and some rhythm. And you've been looking for that rhythm for a long, long time. Clark, me and you have been talking about Keith wanting a defensive-minded third line. When he got camp, he got his center. He needed to find the wingers. So yeah. what does that yeah. do for Yarncroke? But if Yarncroke plays like he is, do you even need to go get anybody? Yeah, I mean, I feel like – I mean, Elliot Friedman said it a couple of times. By the way, I heard uh, – speaking of – you said Ryan O'Reilly there, Pete – um, I saw some people saying that they're asking two first round picks for Ryan oh, O'Reilly. They're not going to get it after a broken foot. I don't think they're going to get that, but I'm just saying, I think that's where, apparently that's where St. Louis is starting. And it's like, okay, well, I'll, we'll call somebody else. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no offense to Ryan O'Reilly, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call well, Chicago. With that broken foot though, you think it's coming back. It's going to take him time to get up and running. So you're getting basically the Nick Foligno effect where, Okay, is he fully ready to go? You know, and I'm yeah. trading you two first round picks. I don't think so. We played this. We've seen this movie. We're not doing it again. Go ahead and trade him to Boston. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, watch him go to Boston and then freaking win the conference. Oh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> wicked smart move there, James. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, um, like you said, it's really interesting because I think they have to add somebody. Like, I don't think, I think their team is in a perfect spot to make a nice move to like be a complimentary move. Yeah. But I'm, I, I keep doing that same argument in my head. It's like, what is the right move for this team? And I made this, the video, Pete, thank you for referencing it um, about uh, the Chicago idea. Sorry, my computer is still bothering me. Just give me a second here, guys. Um, the Chicago idea I came up with uh, during a live stream. I think James, we were talking about it actually during that live stream, potentially. Um, and it was for those who don't follow me on TikTok, by the way, my name's right here. Just follow me. Um, <laughs> is it was Tyler Johnson, Tyler Johnson with a retention, uh, maybe double retention, and either Connor Murphy or Jake McKay uh, on defense. And that would be the trade. And I gave up way too much on purpose in the trade and the thing because I didn't want to be looked at on TikTok as like a Leafs homer that thinks every guy is going to come for like a fourth round pick. So I gave a lot on purpose and I got ripped for it in the comments, but I was like, I don't care. I just, I didn't want to, it was just an example. I don't even care. Like I gave way too much. That was the point. Um, but I think a guy like Tyler Johnson, if the argument is that Kyle Yarncroke moves down, if you look at Tyler Johnson's numbers this year, he's got limited games kind of similar to JVR. Cause I know we were talking, you guys were talking about JVR the other day. Um, not as many games like he hasn't played a full season yet, but in his games that he's played, he's putting up some good points so far. And that's in, in Chicago, but he's playing with Patrick Kane or, or Jonathan Taves or somebody like that in Chicago, top six minutes. Um, and what has Tyler Johnson done in his career, but score in the playoffs yeah. like every year. Um, and he's, I think he holds records for most points in a playoffs for the lightning that got passed by Braden point, but either way, um, he, he, he's been a playoff performer forever. So if you could get a couple of ounces of, of performance out of Tyler Johnson and throw him on that second line, he's a responsible two-way guy. Um, I think he's been a two-way forward on NHL, uh, the video game, for like the last decade. So he's a two-way forward. Uh, <laughs> so you get him. He's almost like a – he's a more experienced version of what Cali Arncroke is, uh, I, I would say. Uh, but with a little bit more playoff history, not to say Cali Yarncrook doesn't because Nashville had some good runs when he was there. Um, but I think you could add him. And then if Yarncrook could go down, ideally, like you said, that's where my, that's where my my uh, my argument with myself and my own head is coming yeah. in, because 
Engvall, Kampf, and, and Kerfoot, as much as I hate to say it, they've been playing really good lately. And Kerf, Ker, uh, Kampf and Engvall together, it always seems to work better than when they're apart. So yep. you, how do you split those guys apart? Does this mean Kerfoot's getting traded or moved? Or do you put Kerfoot down in the lineup or something and put Yarnbrook on that line instead? Yeah. So my whole head is just like, Ugh. yeah. I this mean, that's where I'm at right now. Guys, let Kyle Dubas do the hard work. <laughs> that's the, uh, oh, the reason why he paid the big bucks, right? But yeah. I look at Cal Yarncroke and say, listen, if you can keep clicking with guys like John Tavares and Mitch Marner, and he has pop and speed and physical play along the boards, he's the Swiss Army Knight that I made the video about in the summer. I said, this is what the Leafs are going to get. That. And now he's healthy, right? So he's bringing those things, and he's not looking out of place. I don't know. If he keeps clicking and getting points, that might be the internal answer right off the bat. Of course, a lot of people talking about Matthew Nyes maybe coming in and making some noise. I'm still on the fact now with you, Clark, don't anoint him the second line spot. Let him come in. Let him get acclimated. Let him come here and play and see what he can bring. If he does well or looks good, give him a couple looks down the stretch and see what happens. Maybe you find lightning in a bottle. But yeah. um, I think the Leafs have another trade chip, though, guys, that no one is talking about. He came back off of injury. And he's lighting the AHL on fire, not on the score sheet, but between the pipes. Joseph Wool is 7-0 and since returning. Solid little goaltender. If the Leafs are content with Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray for the next couple of seasons, I know it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Joe Wool down in the minors, but that is a pretty attractive trade chip. You're right. You know, for a team that may be looking for a young goaltender to kind of bring along. And that's no one is talking about him right now as a trade option because finally the Leafs have waited and got a goaltender that's doing okay. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with him? We trade him. But if he can be an asset, why not? But they also have Eric Schalgren. They also have Keith Petrozelli. They also have Dryden McKay. Uh, they also have a couple of guys they drafted recently, Dennis Hildebrand. They also have Arthur Akiyamov, who's playing in Russia right now. Two goals in Russia on the same team. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, right. The other one, I forgot about his name. I don't even know his name, but we won't worry about him. Uh, but there's, they've got five or six, seven even goalies now in the depth chart that they can toy around with in the minors for the next couple of years. And Murray's under contract for two years. Maybe Sammy gets re-signed for a couple of years or something. Right. So, I mean, they're maybe they're in a a position of strength with goaltending where they can trade one out right now. And not that I don't think, I don't know if Joseph Wall is going to be like the trade ship that gets us Ryan O'Reilly, for example, but I think he would be a nice little value boost for, like you said, a team team that wants either a third goalie right now to kind of take over that, or, or maybe even a, to be like a backup who they can call up if, if they have an injury or something like that. I don't think that's a bad idea whatsoever. So um, here, for sure. Arizona, everybody's saying they may trade Famelka to a team that would want a starting goaltender. So you're talking to the Arizona Coyotes and you want uh, Mr. Chikrin. Hey, you just traded Famelka away. We got a great young goaltender here who could slide right in. And by the way, this time you don't have to steal him from us on waivers. We'll <laughs> trade him to you willingly. So no problem there. But we'll put a package together. You just send that nice Jakob Chikrin this way. Keep a little money on the side, and let's roll. He's from St. Louis, too, Joseph Wall. So uh, <laughs> Make the know. connection. Let's go. Send him home. Man, man. Get us Pavel Bushnevich or something like that. You know, you know one player on the St. Louis Blues I absolutely hate but would love to see on the lease? I just think he's a, an overall prick of a guy. 
Colton Pareko. Justin Falk. <laughs> Justin, Justin Falk. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. His contract would not work, though, I don't think. No, it wouldn't work, but I mean, just the type of player he, you know, he's an, he's an arsehole to play against. You don't like playing against him. But just the comments he made about Canada didn't really rub me the right way. Was he a, was he a vaccine guy? No, he wasn't a vaccine guy. He just hated the fact of coming in and the different protocols. And oh. he's like, oh, yeah, you want to get into Canada and you right. want to get the hell out. Yeah, I you don't want to be that. around there for very long. Yeah. So didn't rub me the right way, but it's all right. So the Toronto Maple Leafs going into this next game against the Seattle Kraken. The team is actually doing quite well this year. I believe they only have 12 losses on their tally chart. Wow. So going in against a team like the Kraken tomorrow night, what do the Leafs need to do, Clark? What is your opinion here? Do they pick up the dub or is it going to be Trump? I think if they get it uh, to a hot start and they can maybe get the first goal early, uh, I think that the Seattle, I think they match up decently well against. Um, only because my, my, the way I look at Seattle um, is that they have a bunch of they, – they're like a second line team. A lot of their players are second line players, I feel like. And I think that Toronto would match up well against that type of team. Um, so if they can get up early and kind of just hold on, I think that that's kind of the the strategy I would hope for. I mean, obviously you can't just be like, okay, guys, we got to go out there and score early and then we'll just hold on. Like, you can't just like say you're going to score early. But I feel like that would be a good um, kind of way to go about it is if you start fast, um, outskate them a little bit because – uh, they Seattle this year reminds me a lot of uh, the Florida Panthers and the New Jersey Devils of like the early 2010s where they didn't have any like star players, um, but they had a lot of guys who would be like really good second liners on almost any team in the league. Like they have three lines, I would say, uh, in Seattle that are like a good second line. Um, yeah. You think of guys like Eberle, uh, Bjorkstrand, even Matty Beniers is popping off, but he's a rookie. So like he's not quite at that status Johnny yet. Gord. Uh, Gord, exactly right. So like they, they Donskoy, like they've built a really like balanced team uh, with a lot of solid contributors, but they don't have anybody who's like that next level guy. Um, decently on defense, uh, they've been getting goaltending, but who knows if that's going to last all season long. So I think if they can just come out um, and maybe get off to a hot start at home there, uh, that they might be able to take advantage of, of a Seattle team who's. I don't know what their schedule is right now, but if they're traveling from Seattle to Toronto, it's across the country. Um, they might be able to take advantage of that road trip there for them. Even if they're on a road trip, they're still on a road trip. So yeah. uh, it'll be a big one for them. I think a hot start would go a long way on that game f- for sure. Uh, and then f- going from there, if they can you know, capitalize on some special team stuff. I did On that video I made a few days ago on TikTok, again, here's my name. Just go check me out. Uh <laughs> It's, they did the stats page, right? Uh, I did the stats. And one thing that I noticed was the power play. When I did the video, I don't know if it's changed since, but they were 10th in the league in power play. And not that that's ever a bad thing. Like, I think if you come into a season and you're like, yeah, we're going to have the 10th best power play, you'd be pretty pleased with that. Uh, but with the Leafs and how they were last year, I think they were top three. Uh, so I think the power play needs a boost. And I think the five-man forward power play unit is probably the best thing for them, James. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm bugging you. I'm bugging you. Oh, but I, I, listen, I love, I love experiments, and you guys know that. I love chirping about things that could happen. But the five man power play, watching Marner get walked because he's gassed, I'm just not yeah. excited about it. I, I'd like to see Mojo back on there, but we'll see. Get It'll him probably have season. It'll probably happen. But I, I think the power play needs to step up a little bit, and it's been good. Again, it's been top 10, but. 
I feel like it's a top three power play. You got the MVP, you got Marner, you got Nylander, who's lighting it up, leading the team in goals, by the way. Um, so yeah, I think the, I think that's a, as good as the power play has been. I think it's got another level to it, and I hope that that starts like right away here and just takes off because we know how lethal that power play can be. It's been that way for years now. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my biggest thing is if they can get out early and maybe take advantage of some power play situations. The penalty kill needs to be better too, I, in my opinion. Um, it's not top ten. I think last year again, weren't the wasn't the penalty kill top three last year too? Yeah, it was um, huge. It was huge, and it's not even it's not even in the top ten this year. I don't know where it was. I didn't see where they were, but they weren't in the top ten. So I think special teams needs uh, a bit of a boost in the second half. Uh, not that it's been necessarily losing us games, but I think we've maybe left a couple points on the table because of it. Yeah, Seattle's dropped uh, considerably from their power play percentage. So yeah, they've gone down. I think it's one, two, three, four. I think they're seventeenth in the league now. So not yeah. too far. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I mean, for the the Maple Leafs, we're top ten penalty or top ten power play, and middle of the pack for penalty kills. So yeah, which needs, needs to be better. Up. They have good enough penalty killers on the team that that should be better. Um, so I think it will over the second half of the season. I would I would think they no, have one of the best. They have one of the best penalty kill coaches in the league, in Dean Chanelth, uh, which was a big reason of why the switch from last year. Because if you remember two years ago, their penalty kill wasn't all that great. Dean Chanelth comes in. Uh, former Carolina penalty kill coach, come, he was the number one penalty kill, comes into Toronto, makes them a top three after years of not being good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then this year now, I think it's just for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a changing of the guard. They did lose guys like like Mikheyev, I guess, uh, and some guys like that where maybe they just shifted it around a little bit. Muzzin's not there. Um, well, so that was probably some of it. Dealing with a lot of defensive injuries too this yeah. season, right? So your defense hasn't been your regular defense, so. Yeah, that I think that's a lot of it. So I think I think we're I think we're in for a penalty uh, special teams boost in the second half. That would be my big prediction if I could make one. I'd like that, Petey. What do you think? If I'm the Leafs, I am shutting down Jared McCann because it it is a hundred percent guaranteed. Go bet right now. <laughs> Hammer that money line. Oh my god! Yeah. Hammer Jared McCann four plus shots. You're easy money. Whatever he's gonna score tomorrow night, but. Uh, yeah, Leafs, for whatever reason, it's a home game tomorrow, right? Like, um, for whatever reason, I just – they they look – they play bad in their home arena. Just they need to come out to a better start, score the first goal, get the crowd buzzing, and then pump the Seattle Kraken. What is that? What's Clark showing there? Couldn't read it. Couldn't read it and we can't hear Couldn't you. Park. I think you're unplugged, but um muted uh, myself. Anyways, <laughs> I think we need to pump the Seattle Kraken for taking the winter classic from us. Ooh. The Vegas and Vegas and Seattle have the winter classic next year. It is a crime we haven't got the winter classic for Toronto and Montreal. That will be so fun to watch. You could do it. You could do it in Toronto. I don't know. Do it in Montreal. I don't care. I'd go to that. That would sell. That would get views. That would sell tickets. Yeah, they've been holding on to that for some reason, eh? So long. Yeah, I they haven't let that one to the barn. Is yeah. it put your tinfoil hats on? Batman doesn't want it to come back to Canada. I don't know. They're saving it for something. What's coming up in the next couple of years that's that they're saving it for? I don't know. Because like the Heritage Classic. Uh, the Canadian contract, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Like the Heritage Classic, even, uh, which is – Typically, two Canadian teams, right? Um, 
is I think next year is Edmonton, Calgary in Edmonton at yeah. Commonwealth. So that's not even Toronto, Montreal next year. They already announced it. So uh, I think for the if it's going to be Toronto and Montreal, it has to be a Heritage Classic because it's two Canadian teams. Oh. So well, the Winter Classic would be Toronto because Toronto's played in Winter Classics. It's been like yeah. Toronto, Washington, and Toronto, whoever else. Well, Washington Detroit. wasn't the Winter Classic though. What was that? Was one? that a stadium series? That was a stadium series. Because there's three different things. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I, I feel like uh, if it's not going to be the Heritage Classic, it's not going to be this year. Because is there even a Heritage Classic this year? I don't no, know. not this year. Mm. There's yeah, not one this year. Edmonton in next year for next season. Next year. Because the October. one there was one in Regina a couple years ago. Winnipeg and Calgary played a couple yeah. years ago in Regina, which was great. Um, but yeah, so it's already not next year. So we're already into like two years from now at least. So I don't know. I don't get it. That's a good point, Pete. I never even yeah. thought of that. They've never done yeah. a Toronto Montreal one. That's crazy. I, I'd like to see maybe a Montreal Boston one in the Winter Classic. That'd be a lot of fun to watch. That would be a lot of fun. Well, you got to wait for Montreal to kind of be on the upswing, though. True. You yeah. know, I think it would make it a little bit better, a little bit more uh, enjoyable for the fans. I mean, it's still a great optics. They can set them up anywhere now. But listen, bring it here to Halifax. Play it on the outdoor rink right here in the middle of the city. Play it on the Atlantic Halifax. Ocean, James. Get it out there no, on the Atlantic yeah. on a on an oil rig out on the out on the ocean. No, not an oil rig. It's use one of the uh, American friggin' aircraft carriers. Right, right there. There you Do go. Do that. Just yeah, have everybody yeah. digitally enhanced around. They the did room. a hockey game on an aircraft carrier once, didn't they? What? Like um, a college game? Like a college hockey game? I swear they might have. Like a Army Navy game or something like that. And Pete's like on it right away. Yeah, go Google. I, it. I swear, I swear they tried or talking about it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm way off. Maybe I was. It's dreaming. Gonna, it, regardless, Toronto Montreal has to get done eventually. I think it'll be a great time. It's something that should happen. Yeah. Should have already happened. But like Good you said, point. Pete or Clark, maybe they're holding on to it. There's one last thing I want to get to you with you guys here, um, and it's in Vancouver. It's a situation with a player who really has turned into someone not so nice, and that's JT Miller. Um, Ilya Mikheyev, yeah, he's an ass. Yeah, he's a real, <laughs> real bad guy, stealing all the soup. Yeah. Um, but JT Miller, like swinging sticks at you know your goaltender and hollering at him. Just the attitude in the dressing room and the reporters. Now there's a report that just came out that he only really signed with the Canucks because he thought that's where he was going to get his money because of how dried up the money is around the league. And he's just not happy. There is still an out for him this season to be traded. There's no trade clause in the first year, I do believe. So he can still technically be traded if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the uh, the rumor bantied about. But what do we think of JT Miller here and this situation that looks like it's going to come to a head one way or the other because they're going to lose Bull Horvat and this team is going to probably take a noticeable step backwards. But what do we think of JT Miller? To me, it's like, whoa, boy. Like, you you came here, everybody's loving you, you are scoring, you know, you were a fan. 99 favorite. points last year. Yeah, and now you're, you know, things – Things go sideways for a lot of guys after they get paid. But this is sideways and then an attitude to go with it. Like, you know, not humble about it, nothing. Like, just seems like a grumpy ass on the ice. Yeah. So I'm wondering, Clark, what do you think of what do you think of JT Miller? Yeah. So yeah, two things. I I checked uh on that aircraft carrier situation. It was a basketball game. It was Gonzaga and Michigan State a couple years ago. No, so no. not hockey, but either way. They played on an aircraft carrier. It was a Ru- the Russian Marines. 
Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, so anyways, that was that. True. Yeah, but I also looked into. I I opened up Vancouver's cap friendly situation, and he doesn't have a no trade clause at the moment. So that's that is an interesting little point you made there. That kicks in after this season. Yeah. So the extension, the extension is next season that starts. So he gets a full no move clause as of next season. So that's. A bit of it. I mean, you can still trade a guy with a no move clause if he waves it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it definitely it adds right a now, though. They can dump him in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, like if this and and this is just bringing so many of those rumors that we've been hearing about the Canucks organization kind of to light. Now, for years, we were hearing about there was some sort of riff. Uh, well, not for years. I mean, JT Miller's only been there for I guess well, it's been years. I would say yeah, multiple years. years. 2019 draft, I was there. He got, got traded from uh, from the Lightning that year. Yeah, over. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, we heard for a couple seasons now that you know maybe there was a bunch of stuff going on in the locker room, and oh, JT Miller and Bo Horvat hate each other, and they want to fight each other and stuff all the time. And now it kind of seems like maybe all that was really true. Uh, <laughs> and now they're in this awkward situation of. They pick JT Miller over Bo Horvat because they signed JT and now Bo Horvat needs a contract and, and they Horvath's got no money for him. Off. And Horvat's popping off and Miller's causing issues. So it's like everything about the situation in Vancouver is the opposite, I think, of what they wanted. And it's interesting that like you said that because this is the time if they're going to change their organization. Um, you know, Sid Sixero just put out a tweet, just I think it was this morning or yesterday. It was like, Vancouver needs to trade like five guys off the roster right now and just go hard for Connor Bedard. And yep. uh, JT Miller, he would probably garner you picks. Like you would probably get a first round pick out of a team at least. Uh, multiple picks probably or prospects or whatever it happens to be. You might not though with that contract. and the way You might not, but there might be a team. There might be a team that is in a situation going into next season where that doesn't matter as much to them. Uh, I don't know who that team would be right now, but. I mean, $8 million is swallowable if you can get a guy to get 90 points or 80 points Don't a year. Don't you think there's like a great swap, though, to be had? I mean, Arizona's looking to offload Chikrin. JT Miller goes over there, can play in a quiet neighborhood where no one's really going to ask you any questions. Just go about your business and do your thing. Get paid well, your money. Yeah, That's you can you do want. that. I'll throw out another one, like another couple ones for you here. Uh, New York Rangers just sat Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, they've healthy scratched them. Yeah, uh, and they not yeah. that they have a ton of cap space, but they could figure it out. Uh, I think they have three million bucks, so they could I don't know offload. I'll look for two seconds and find somebody. They can offload Filipedal, and then they got it. They can figure it out. I'm sure they can figure it out. Oh, um, they can make it work. Yeah, uh, but another team too that uh, the other team in that scenario um, that has a little bit of cap space, and I uh, am worried about them being a powerhouse for years is the Detroit Red Wings, Steve Eiserman. They have $9 million in cap space. They just got oh. Jacob Verana back from whatever he was dealing with. Uh, yeah, sound, uh, he was on that substance abuse program. Yeah, so that's, he cleared waivers. He cleared waivers. Yeah, yeah, he cleared waivers. But I think from what I kind of understood from some of the people who were talking about it is he might have been cleared waivers because when you come back from the substance abuse program or whatever they call it, the player assistance program, yep. I don't want to – call it what yep. it's not yep. um but there's kind of like a an understanding that hey this guy needs a little bit of time to figure his life out here so let's just let him go play in the minors play some hockey again and then we'll talk about 
whatever it is, trading him or whatever. Um, so that might have been part of that, that he cleared waivers, which is, I didn't see that coming either way, but um, they, they, it says that they have like $9 million in cap space right now, but that's also without Verana's contract. I think Bertuzzi's on IR, so that's coming back when he's like almost on, he's just under 5 million bucks. So I don't know if they have that much cap space, but. Well, you got to sign, uh, you got to sign Tyler Bertuzzi and you got to sign Dylan Larkin too. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, that's part right. of it. And they have a couple of UFAs, Larkin, like you said. Uh, but I will, uh, I will connect your dots for you. A couple guys, Stevie Eisenman and JT Miller, Lightning connection. Yeah, well, there's that for sure. The Lightning definitely, because uh, Eisenman acquired him from New York, and that's where I guess the New York thing comes in. He's a former Ranger too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Eisenman did bring him into Tampa, so I could see it. I could totally see it. And with I, with Vancouver's situation, I think if you ask my buddy Jeremy Corrigan, shout out to Jeremy, um, I think that he, what they need right now is like money off the books. And if you're yeah. looking at $8 million bucks next year for JT Miller compared to a guy, um, even like Oli Mata from Detroit, for example, who makes 2.2, uh, he's a free agent next year. They can just drop his money. Or Pius Suter, he's a free agent. They can just drop his money. So like guys like that, I think – I think Vancouver's in a situation where they just need some cap and they need to bring back Horvat, I think, in a big way. Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of like where this is going, James. Like, I think JT Miller getting dealt right now before this all kicks in, it's kind of got some like PK Subban vibes to it. I think uh, it does too. It, it definitely has. It, it, there's something has to happen. Player's not happy. It doesn't seem like the team's happy. You get rid of him, you get to keep your captain and Bull Horvat. Yeah. It all makes a lot more sense than what's happening right now. The other team, quickly before. Uh, we wrap that's making some waves as well is the Nashville Predators. Mm. Uh, apparently making Ekholm and others available. Would and Ryan McDonough, another name that apparently is quietly being rumored to be available as well. Would you like the Leafs? You're talking B level. Ekholm's not really B level. He's kind of almost you know A minus level. You know would fit nicely with the Leafs. Would you like them to go after an Ekholm or a McDonough if the money can work? Um, the short answer is yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the situation with them, and it's, it's interesting with Nashville because they have 38 points, uh, which puts them, I guess, sixth in the central, which is crazy uh, that there's that many teams ahead of them considering it's Nashville. And there's five teams ahead of them in the Pacific too. So they're they're in tight. It's not that they're out of it, but they're, they're on the bottom looking in. Uh, they're on the outside looking in, I should say. Um, the one guy I would game before too, right? Where they were very close to making the playoffs or on that bubble, you know, maybe they don't want to play that game again. Well, they were on that bubble and they got career years out of Ryan Johansson and, and Matt Duchesne. And yeah. those guys aren't having career years this year. Um, one guy I would love is bring me my boy Tanner Janelle back. Like bring him, bring him to Toronto. Like that would be They're my not going right to give up on Tanner Janelle. Yeah, they will. No, they won't. You're right. Because it, a lot of people, I, I get that comment all the time, of course, because Leaf fans want every player for nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that name comes up all the time. But remember, like, Nashville protected Tanner Janelle in the Seattle expansion draft. Like, they gave him a two-year extension after a very, you know, middling season. They gave him a two-year extension at yeah. that time as well. Like, they – he they he they love him there. He's not going anywhere, um, unless it was like a real big overpay, uh, which, yeah, I don't know. But 
I don't think Nashville's going to get rid of Janot, but I think they probably at this at this point they would want to clear some money out, and Ekholm would be Ekholm is like Ekholm is Muzzin, like it's yeah, it's like adding a Muzzin, yeah. uh, and then you add Muzzin in the playoffs. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean Ekholm would be awesome, uh, but I think the price would be high. I don't know about McDonough or not, but I think the how price funny would it be to get McDonough on the blue and white Maple Leafs to go up against the blue and white Tampa Bay Lightning? And shove it down their throats, McDonough shutting them down or something. Yeah, we're already confirming that we're playing Tampa first round, then, right, James? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's looking that way, man. Yeah, it's, Bruins sixty-two points, Maple Leafs fifty-three, Lightning yeah. forty-nine, Sabers forty. So it's like pretty much locked up, right? <laughs> Which is crazy. Um, Wait, listen, Boston just lost to Brusk, their leading score. Who knows what happens there? Yeah, you know? yeah. It's crazy that you, the, that sentence even exists. Jake DeBrusque was the Jake leading DeBrusque. scorer. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Ryan Hallmark is a brick wall. Come on. Yeah. But like, here's the thing, too, now with Boston, right? Now you're getting that Jake DeBrusque money to go out and get more players. Oh, so no. So now you're going to be able to. And Jake DeBrusque is supposed to be back. Yeah. Well, you I guess it's a fantasy today, too. Not a good day. <laughs> I had a great day in fantasy. By the way, shout out to everybody in the Fan Talk League. I know a lot of them check out this podcast. So all three of us are in it. Of course, many others like Curtis and Sienna, Myron, all kinds of people you'd see over on TikTok. If you're over there, like producer Clark said, go follow him. Also go follow Pete the Heat and just change offside talk to TOK and you got it for me. But um, yeah, guys, it's going to be a fun rest of the season for the Maple Leafs. Looking forward to the gold medal game tomorrow night. Clark, we definitely have to have you on more. I know you keep saying you don't get your invites, so your invites no. are here. Your invites are here, my friend. I know. The, the amount Pete, of times I've said no to you, James, I always feel bad, but uh, I think my schedule is clearing up, so I, I should be okay. It's no worries. The invites will always be flowing. Me and Pete, we're usually here on Wednesdays, me and him. Sundays, it's me, Pete, and Dilly. The whole family's here when Dilly's not working. But, guys, this right here, this is Offside Hockey Talk where the Maple Leafs, Team Canada, and hockey comes to talk.